Hello, my name is Kate Chesterman. I'm a GP in South Norfolk and I also co-host the GP Notebook Education Study Groups. Welcome to this season of GP Notebook Podcasts, where we present bite-sized topics aimed at all those working in primary care. You can follow me on Twitter at ChestermanKate for more information about our new podcasts as they become available. And you can also visit www.gpnotebookeducation.com to find out more about our upcoming GP Notebook study groups. And you can also download free resources such as our series of shortcuts. Welcome to this next edition of the GP Notebook podcast, where today I'm going to talk about the important role that we play as primary care practitioners in the long-term follow-up of patients after they have undergone bariatric surgery. So this might seem a slightly odd topic to cover, as it's not something that we encounter frequently in our day-to-day practice. But I do suspect that it is something that we're going to be asked to do with increasing frequency. NICE recommends bariatric surgery as a treatment option for patients with a BMI of over 40, or for those with a BMI over 35 with obesity-related complications. And surgery has shown to be an effective treatment in terms of both weight loss and improvement in weight-related comorbidities, such as type 2 diabetes. There was a recent article in the British Journal of General Practice from June of this year, discussing the role of GPs in long-term post-bariatric follow-up. And the authors of this article pointed out that in 2014, an estimated 3.6 million patients were potentially eligible for bariatric surgery. And they felt that it was likely, given the current focus on obesity, that has again been brought to the fore by the statistics showing much worse outcomes from coronavirus with a raised BMI, that we in general practice were going to be encouraged to refer more patients for consideration of surgery and therefore be involved in looking after a greater number of patients post-surgery. So let's consider a typical case that we might encounter in primary care. Alison is a 47-year-old lady who underwent bariatric surgery three years ago. She was followed up by the specialist bariatric surgery team for two years and was then discharged with the advice to have an annual review and nutritional monitoring with her GP. She contacts you to request a blood test. Now, I suspect for a lot of us, this would throw up a number of questions. What should I be recommending in terms of supplements? What blood tests does she need? What surgery did she have and does it make a difference to the monitoring or supplements required? And what on earth do I do with abnormal results showing nutritional deficiencies? And if you feel at a loss to answer some or all of these questions, then you're certainly not alone. Within the same June edition of the British Journal of General Practice, there was a retrospective cohort study that has been published looking at primary care follow-up after discharge from bariatric services. And this study has shown that only 45 to 59% of patients had an annual weight check. Common primary care blood tests such as haemoglobin were measured annually in only 45 to 61% of patients. But bariatric surgery-specific blood tests such as copper were measured in only 1.2 to 1.5% of patients. 
And in the discussion, they pointed out that these more specific blood tests may be a truer reflection of the incidence of post-bariatric surgery nutritional reviews, since tests such as haemoglobin or creatinine could be carried out for a multitude of reasons that may be unrelated to the bariatric surgery. And the other important area that was highlighted by this study was the proportion of patients not receiving the recommended nutritional supplements. So for example, less than 54% of patients who had had a gastric bypass were receiving the correct supplements. It's been shown that all bariatric procedures will affect nutritional intake or nutritional absorption to some degree. And it varies depending on the procedure. So the supplements and monitoring required does differ depending on the procedure that the patient has undergone, as well as the needs of the individual patient. So for example, although the gastric balloon and gastric band have no impact on the absorption of nutrients, patients may still experience prolonged vomiting or develop food intolerances. The gastric bypass impacts on the absorption of iron, vitamin B12, calcium and vitamin D. And the duodenal switch has the greatest impact on malabsorption, affecting not only the absorption of iron, vitamins B12 and D and calcium, but also protein, fat-soluble vitamins and zinc. So it is essential that patients are monitored following bariatric surgery to ensure that they're meeting their nutritional requirements and to mitigate risks of developing nutritional deficiencies because the consequences of these nutritional deficiencies can be significant. And there have been reports of night blindness, cardiomyopathy and neuropathy and inadequate follow-up or poor adherence to supplements have been cited as the causes for these complications. Now, unfortunately, the NICE guideline on obesity is not very specific in its recommendations, stating only that after discharge from bariatric surgery service follow-up, ensure that all people are offered at least annual monitoring of nutritional status and appropriate supplementation according to need following bariatric surgery as part of a shared care model of chronic disease management which, as I'm sure you'll agree, doesn't really give us the specific answers that we might need to ensure that these patients are getting the best possible care. So where can we look for this advice? Well, the British Obesity and Metabolic Surgery Society produced a guideline in 2014 on perioperative and postoperative biochemical monitoring and micronutrient replacements for patients undergoing bariatric surgery. And this is a really helpful document that I wanted to make you aware of. And I've put a link to this guideline in the show notes for this podcast. Within this guideline, it is clearly documented what monitoring should be undertaken for each different type of bariatric surgery, including advice on if and when we should be testing renal and liver function, full blood count, ferritin, folate and vitamin B12, calcium, vitamin D and parathyroid hormone, the fat-soluble vitamins A, E and K, trace minerals such as zinc, copper, selenium and magnesium, as well as thiamine, glucose and lipids. 
And in addition, there are suggestions on what to do if nutritional deficiencies are found and how to replace these nutrients with advice on dietary and pharmacological supplementation. And finally, there is also advice on what to do in certain clinical situations, such as pregnancy, the development of neurological symptoms and prolonged vomiting. So being aware of this guideline is one of the ways that the authors of the article in the British Journal of General Practice suggested that we could improve the post-operative follow-up of our bariatric patients. They also suggested that we consider having a bariatric surgery patient register so that we can ensure that these patients are invited for annual reviews instead of relying on patients to remember and book an appointment themselves. And this seems a sensible suggestion as it's pointed out within this article that patients living with obesity are less likely to initiate healthcare reviews themselves, probably due to previously experienced stigma and concerns that they will not have achieved what was expected post-surgery. Another sensible suggestion was to consider setting up bariatric surgery blood profiles on blood requesting systems. So we only have to tick one box to select all the monitoring appropriate for that bariatric procedure. Finally, they suggested involving community dietitians and pharmacists if you have these skill sets available in your team, as your dietitian may be well placed to recognise symptoms of rare nutritional deficiencies and your pharmacist could help to ensure that patients are taking the correct nutritional supplements. So my key take-home messages from this podcast are to be aware of the importance of regular monitoring of the nutritional status in patients following bariatric surgery. To make you aware of the excellent guidelines from the British Obesity and Metabolic Surgery Society and also to highlight the suggestions from the article in the British Journal of General Practice on how we can improve the long-term follow-up of this cohort of patients. Thank you for listening, and I hope that you have found this helpful. Please make sure to subscribe to our podcasts, which are available on all major platforms, and feel free to get in touch via social media or email me at kchesterman at gpnotebook.com if you have any questions, comments or ideas for future podcasts. And do visit us at www.gpnotebookeducation.com to find out more about our planned study groups and to download free resources. Music